We'll be continuing our study in, in Luke's gospel this morning. We're going to be focusing on verses 12 uh, through 26, uh, looking at an upside-down world. Uh, I'll, I'll read those scriptures, I'll pray, and then we'll dive into the Word of God. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for the power came out from him and he healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for your word. God, what a sweet gift to give your people your words, words that were written through the power of the Spirit of God. Father, we pray that we do not take your word lightly this morning. God, you have given us your word to teach us, to mold us, to train us in righteousness, that we may be equipped for every good work. So God, I pray now, I pray, God, that you would allow us to learn to be true disciples from your word this morning. Father, we pray that you send your spirit, fill us, God, convict us of our sin, lead us to repentance. God, show us that the sweet grace that comes through believing and trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior. God, we also pray for those who are, who are, are sick among us. God, we thank you that you have uh, taken Miss Connie uh, through the procedure and you have healed her. God, we pray in the days and weeks ahead that you continue to have your hand upon her, Father. And God, we pray that you give her a, a peace and a patience that only you can give. God, we also pray for um, our, our government. We pray specifically this morning for our, our local city council. God, we pray that you give them wisdom. We pray that you make the men and women who seek your face, God, who want to do your will and not just be popular in the eyes of our community. So God, we pray that you make them full of righteousness, full of integrity, full of honesty. 
And God, we also pray for the, the preaching of your gospel, not only in this church, but churches around this city. Uh, we pray specifically for Scott Davis this morning at Northside Baptist Church. God, we pray that you would uh, give him um, a blessing of your spirit this morning. God, we pray that as he preaches, God, your people will be changed through your word. Father, we, we ask that you be gracious to that congregation. Continue to allow it to see fruit as it grows in you. So God, now we ask to uh, turn to our own hearts. God, we all come with different things on our minds and on our hearts. God, you know every single heartbeat. You know every single need, every single worry, every single concern. So God, I pray that you would just speak to your people. Father, speak through a, a, a man, God, to your people. God, let my words be your very words. God, we pray that through your word that you will mold us to become what you have called us to be, to be your people. So God, we pray that you would just bless us as we study your word. Uh, fill us with grace this morning. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it is a, um, a joy uh, to be with you this morning. Um, I, I just want to remind you that football season uh, starts in the fall. <laughs> it is May uh, next week, by God's grace, and I'm excited about that. I was reminded just this past week uh, that with the NFL draft uh, that happened, I got kind of caught up in that. It's amazing how my mind starts to go when I, when I, when I hear the word football. I just kind of shift a little bit. It's hard for me to focus but as I was, I was watching uh, this NFL draft, it's always amazing because uh, these 22, 23-year-olds are just sitting in a room with all their family just waiting for that phone call. They're just waiting for that phone call. They went to college. They, they played hard. They studied. They worked. Then all of a sudden, the phone rings. They answered it. And immediately, they're on another team, right? They, they, become from, they go from the co- collegiate ranks to become an NFL player. And everything changes. Well, just like them with us, when we are called, when we are called by God, everything changes. Like that, we immediately switch teams. We go from the world's team to God's team. Amen for that call. So this morning, we're going to look at three things of how the people of God are called. What are we called to do? What are we called to to be. So if you would look at your outlines provided for you, we'll get to the first point. God's people are called to be separate from the world. God's people are called to be separate from the world. Look back with me in Luke chapter 6 verse 12. It says, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. Now remember the scene. Remember the last several weeks we've been talking about what's been happening to Jesus. Well, his popularity uh, has become uh, uh, negative. People know who he is, but there's these Pharisees who are out to get him. So they first they confronted his disciples. Then last week on the, on the Sabbath, these Pharisees were attacking the Lord Jesus. And we end in verse 11. They were filled with fury and disgust what to do with Jesus. Now, that was a time when he was feeling the weight of the world upon him. The world was against him. And what's the first thing he did? He prayed. He didn't just pray. He prayed 
all night. Why? Because he realized that when, when he was about to be rejected, he needed people who were going to continue his mission after him. He knew that he was not going to be able to, to, uh, to live forever. He was going to die. The rejection has come and it was going to lead to the cross. And I just love this because before any big decisions that we have in our life, what should we do? Pray. Don't just offer one of those, those quick prayers. We need to show our utter dependence on God. We want to do what God would have us do. But you know what we typically do? We typically make a decision and then say, God, will you please bless the decision I just made? What we need to do is we need to stop before we make the decision. We need to ask God, God, is this what you would have us do? Make it clear. If this is not your will, shut it down. Well, we see as we go on that these disciples are called in verse 13. When the day came, he called his disciples. Now, we know that this, this scene is more about leadership. It's kind of a transition. But if we just take a step back, all disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ are called. All of us have been called to follow Jesus. And what really is a disciple? A disciple is one that, that chooses to learn. The Greek word for disciple means to be a learner. We are learning how to be what? How to be like our teacher. All disciples are following Jesus. So when Jesus called his disciples, they came. Why? Because they were there. They were following him. But they were called to be distinct from the world. All followers of Jesus are not following the ways of the world. They are following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. When I was a teenager, one of the things that became very popular, I'm probably going to date myself, but the WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? Uh, I, I had one. I wore it probably very briefly before my friends made fun of me long enough, so I took it off uh, as a young person, not being ashamed of, of the cross, but it became a fad. It was a fad, so people just kind of made fun of it. I hate when things that are true and good becomes fad because we want to be like Jesus, don't we? As his disciples, we want to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter's writing to a church that's suffering, a church that's struggling because the world around them is changing. It's against God. And what does he tell those disciples, which I think he would tell us this morning? He says, what credit is it if when you sin, you are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Called to do what? Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. We should be asking ourselves, what would Jesus do? You know that the whole Christian life is us being transformed more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, we often give ourselves cop-outs. Well, I'm not perfect. Therefore, it's okay to make mistakes. I read, read even this past week is if you, if you make a mistake and you don't learn from it, that's what we call a mistake. But if you make a mistake and you learn from it and you grow, you're better off for it. Well, we go back in this text and we see what we see here in verse, uh, the end of 13. He says, he chose from among these disciples 12, whom he named apostles. Now, leaders 
in the church are called for a very specific mission. As I already mentioned, we know that Jesus was going to the cross. He knew that he was going to be brutally crucified, but he would raise again. He would go to the Father. He would send his spirit and his apostles, the sent ones. That's what the word apostle means. Sent ones would go into the world to share his mission. And I find it interesting, very early on in the ministry of Jesus, he gives authority to the apostles. He sets them apart to give them special authority for a special mission. Now, here's the dangerous thing when you are in leadership. When God sets you apart and puts you in leadership, guess what? People are going to follow your example. As you follow Christ's example, we are also uh, leaders. People also follow leaders' example. This is why Jesus took such a long time to pray and to seek God's face before they, they chose who was going to be the leader. Now, in, in a couple months, we have an opportunity to elect new deacons. We have deacons rolling off and we have new deacons rolling on. How are you preparing yourselves for that, those decisions? I, I know I, I've been part of a lot of deacon nominations, and typically what happens is you forget all about it. You show up that Sunday and, oh man, we're voting for deacons today. And you lean over to your wife and go, who are you voting for? <laughs> Who you got? (laughs) Because we don't take the time to think about it. We don't understand the importance of being leader, of electing our leaders. But even more so, we don't understand uh, as leaders how important our role really is. You know, when God has called me to a pastor, uh, you know, I, I, I want to lead and shepherd you. I want to be an example to the flock. So how I live matters. How I care for my wife matters. How I raise my kids matters. Now, I'm not called to be perfect. I'm, well, I'm called to be perfect. I just reiterated something I said earlier, right? I am called to be perfect. I'm not going to be, but I want to strive to be more and more like Jesus. I want to follow in his footsteps. I want to learn to be like him. Why? So I could be an example to you on how we live and how we love Jesus. That's the calling of leaders. That's scary. That's a scary thing. Knowing that people, I know for me, uh, the person who discipled me, uh, my old pastor, oftentimes I'm in a situation and my, you know what, what I think? What would my pastor say in this situation? I know that happens probably among you. So when we elect our leaders, we are electing our leaders not like the world does. We do it God's way. So we don't choose people who are popular We don't choose people who look good in a suit. We don't choose people based on their last name. We choose people who are godly, who are blameless, who love the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that there are many churches in our day that are lost because they try to do things the world's way. You know, one of the ways that people choose deacons is, well, we really want him to step up and serve. So why don't we just elect him as a deacon and then maybe he'll step up and serve? That is the world's way. Well, we think he can do it. We'll, we'll give him a promotion to see if he can handle it, sink or swim. That's not God's way, beloved. God's way is, it says this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. It says, let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Character first, then office. So can I just ask you to pray for your leaders? Pray for the leaders you have and pray for the leaders that you will have. 
Well, the second point I want to make this morning is God's people are called to serve the world. So we're called to be separate from the world, to be distinct, and then we're called to serve. Go down to verse 17. It says, And Jesus came down with them. You know, when you are with, when you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are always with Jesus. Always. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The reason why we are always with Jesus is because Jesus went to the Father. He said, if I do not go to the Father, I cannot send you the Holy Spirit of God. But when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. So we will always be with us. So it says right there, Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. Now I think what Jesus is going to do right here, he's going to give us a picture of how life with Jesus really should be. See, disciples, the people of God are called to serve the world. We are not called to be served. We are called to give of ourselves for the world that is lost and going to hell without Jesus. It's not a rosy picture. It's hard work. This is why Jesus says, count the cost before you come to me. Look what it says. It came down with him, stood in a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to do two things, to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. This is where ministry happens. God calls us out of the world to change us so we can go back into the world and help hurting people. How often do you ask yourself, Lord, how can you allow me to help those who are hurting, those who are in need? You know, it's not fun to be around people who are always hurting. But that's the ministry God has called his disciples to do. And primarily, there's two ways we help the hurting. The first is through teaching. We help people by giving them the gospel, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they may be saved. The second is mercy. You know, if you ask yourself, you probably lean one way or the other. You know, some people are like, we got to give them the gospel. We just got to share the gospel with them. In other words, well, we have to love people first. We have to love people, then we have to give them the gospel. Well, it's both end. It's not either or. The people came here who are hurting, they came to hear Jesus. Jesus' ministry was primarily not one of healer, of physical illness. He was one of a preacher. He came to proclaim the good news to the kingdom of the kingdom of God, to the poor, to the hurting. Why? Because our greatest need is not physical illness. Our greatest need is that we are a rebel against a holy and righteous God. We are sinners. We are great sinners and we need a Savior. So when we go out and we serve the world primarily, we, we serve them by sharing about the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to rescue us from our sin, that we could be with Him forever. But we also have to call to serve. 
We also are called to get our hands dirty, to roll up our sleeves, and to, to do ministries of mercy. You know, I, when I grew up, I came to Christ through an organization called Young Life. Some of you may have heard of it. Uh, and, and what they always said is that you have to win the right to be heard. You win the right to be heard. Well, here's what I say. I think Jesus Christ has already won us the right to be heard. We are called to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name which man can be saved outside of Jesus Christ. We are called to share that. But I think they're right in that we still need to be heard. <laughs> you know, sometimes people won't even hear what you have to say until you show them that you love them and that you care for them. Now, I'm not sure about you, but if you walk, uh, drive through our city and you read in the paper, can I tell you how many times churches have fundraisers? Every single day, it seems like, right? You turn the page, there's a fundraiser for a mission trip, there's a fundraiser for the children's ministry, there's a fundraiser for a park. Now, I'm not against fundraisers, but we as a church cannot be asking the world to support us. We have to give ourselves for the world or else they're not going to hear us. If they don't hear us, they're not going to be saved. Period. You know how much people are just disgusted with the church because the church is constantly asking them for money without sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's not an either or, beloved. It's a both end. We see that right here in this passage. Well, lastly... So we're called to be separate from the world, to serve the world, and ultimately we're called to show another world. We are called to show another world. So God's people are called individually to be part of a church, to be part of a people of God. And what is our, our job? Our job as a church is to be an outpost for the kingdom of heaven. Because when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you repent of your sins and you trust in Jesus Christ alone, your citizenship is no longer America. You're no longer an American citizen primarily. Primarily, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So you live as a citizen of there, primarily, as a Christian in the here and now, now remember the context. Jesus is bringing in something brand new. People are living in the old covenant, thinking that they can save themselves by their good works. Jesus is coming to say, no, the only way that you can be saved is trusting and believing in me. So your lives are going to change, but they're going to be changed first through coming to Jesus. Now look with me in verses 20 to 26, because there's, a, there's blessings and there's woes. I'm going to read 20 through 26. Listen hard, and then we'll break these down. Verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples. That's really a Lucan picture here. He opened, lifts up his eyes to his disciples. He's going to give them something that's extremely important. What does he say? Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, 
For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. He's trying to say right there, this is the, the, the idea of how you are comforted in this world. There, there's, a, there's an idea of all throughout the scriptures. When we come to Christ, there's an already and a not yet. We are already citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But yet we, we, we're, we still have to live in this world. It hasn't been fully consummated. We're not in heaven. We don't have the, the full blessings of being in heaven. So it starts right there at the beginning. The already. It says, blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Those people who have left everything to follow Jesus Christ were living in poverty. And it says, you are poor and your kingdom of God is yours. Yours is. There's a, there's a present tense there. So those of you who are in the church now, yours is the kingdom of God. But our kingdom is not of this world. Our kingdom is one in heaven. But we also have a, a not yet. It says, blessed are you who are hungry now. You will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Now this is hard. This changes everything. When you're, when you're poor and when, or when you're hungry, you don't feel blessed, do you? You know what you feel? Hungry! <laughs> you feel hungry! When I'm hungry, I don't want people to tell me, you're blessed. I want them to get me a sandwich, okay? That's what I want. But here's the deal. We have to, to trust that God knows exactly what he's doing. And if you are going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to experience suffering. You're going to be hungry. You're going to, to weep what's happening around you. But you will laugh. You will be satisfied because our hope is not in the world around us. Our hope is in heaven. It, it, it's the great reversal. This is what Luke is doing. What the most important things that our world values is opposite in the kingdom of God. It goes on. It says, blessed are you when you are persecuted. When people what? When they exclude you, when they hate you, Revile you, spurn your name as evil. I don't know how many times you woke up and said, man, I'm so glad people hate me today. I'm so glad people revile me. I'm so glad that I turn people's stomach when I walk into a room. I'm just so happy that, that that's the case. We don't think that way. But the, the idea here is not we don't want to just be offensive and turn people off. Look what it says towards the end of verse 22 on account of the Son of Man. When we identify ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, people are going to hate you. They're going to revile you. Why? Because Jesus says some very hard things. He says, no one can come to the Father except through me. So if you run into someone who, who believes that good works gets you to heaven, or who believes in, in a different faith, they may not like you. Because we say Jesus is the only way. Jesus says in our culture, the difference, you know, a marriage is between a man and a woman. That's, people are not going to like you when you hold fast to biblical truth. And what does Jesus say? Rejoice. Rejoice in that day. When people 
puts you in line with Jesus, in Jesus' values, God says rejoice. He does even better than that. He says leap for joy. Leap for joy. Yesterday on my day off, me and my kids were, were walking down our, our neighborhood, and we must have looked really silly. Uh, we were just walking, and right, Elizabeth, is what we were doing? Uh, we, we were just walking down the street, and we were saying um, the story of the world. So we all, we all had each line, story of the, and we'd all just go, world, right? Well, I was just going down my neighborhood, Swan Meadows, going, world, world. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I pray no one's watching me do this now that you guys have all seen me do that. It's kind of embarrassing. But you know what? I'm a dad, and I'm hanging out with my kids. And I was leaping for joy because I was spending time with my, with my children. That's the attitude here. It's not a bad thing when we are, are identified with Jesus Christ. That is a blessing. Two reasons why. Our reward is great in heaven. That's what we're living for. We're living for the reward that God will give us in heaven. And when people reject you here, your reward is great. And number two, because we have good company. They rejected the prophets of God, the one who spoke in God's name, who got direct revelation from God. When they were rejected, you are in their company. Amen. And we, we struggle. You know why we struggle? Is because we want to be like them. We want the world's approval. And every time we want the world's approval, we start to slip farther and farther to become like the world. But God has called us out of the world to be separate, to be distinct, so that we can serve the world with the gospel. When we want to be like the world, we, we cease to represent God. Now, this is not new for the people of God. If you remember the, the Israelites, they said, Lord, we want a king so that we could become like other nations. And God says, I'll give you a king, but it's because you rejected me. In asking for a king to become like other nations, you are rejecting me. So let me just show you how this works. Because one of the things as a pastor, I know for you, if I tell you that Jesus Christ alone says, you're going, amen. Preach on, preacher. Amen. Amen? But how does that gospel affect the culture of our church? You know, I think you see it right here in, in the woe section. Verse 24, it says, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. See, the way of the world is the rich and the powerful. The currency of our world is money, influence, position. The wealthy tends to have their voice heard because their money talks. See, the heavenly way is for the rich, those who have wealth, power, and influence, to empty themselves of it. This is the way of the Christian. Listen to what Christ says of himself. For you know the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. And in Philippians chapter 2, 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, who though he was the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the very form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He emptied himself. He became poor. Now here's why that's important. Uh, it's very common for a pastor to hear things like this. You better not do that because that's going to upset the people who are the big givers of the church, the big tithers. Well, the implication is if you upset them, they'll leave and so will the money. Now, can I just make a couple observations here? One, do not tell me how much money you give to the church. I don't want to know. You don't want me to know. Do not tempt me to show favoritism or partiality. Because typically when people tell me how much money they give, I tend to go the opposite direction. So spare me that. Amen? Two, we have to be a church that understands how the gospel affects how we interact with one another. Those who are rich empty themselves. So if you are a Christian in this church, you cannot use your money to influence how things are done. Why? That's that world's way. If people want to do something in the world, what do they do? They use money. They use influence. They use power. In the church, what do we use? Love, service, anonymity, obscurity. That's what we use in the church. We can't be a church that thinks that our money is going to be of any currency. So let's just not do that. Now, now why is that important? Because this all comes back to how we view the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the cross removes all boasting. Because what does the cross say? The cross says that you are a wretched sinner. That God had to save you. He sent His Son to save you. You are a sinner, but we have a great Savior. We all enter the body of Christ in the same way, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to uh, this song, which will be our song of the month next month. How deep the Father's love for us. It says, Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that left him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God not a result of works, so that no man can boast. We are called to live like the heavenly kingdom. We are called to value the things in the heavenly kingdom. So I put so much hope and joy there. It doesn't matter what happens here. If I have resources and money, I want to give them for the glory of God. I want other people to, to be blessed by them. I want you to give for the glory of God. I want you to use your gifts for the glory of God. It's all, it's not, no one is more important than anybody else in this church. Why? 
We are all one in Christ. He's the king. No one else is. So I pray, I pray beloved, that we understand that we've been, we're separate from the world, but we're also called to serve the world. And when we, when we become a world, it become um, a church that lives like the heavenly world, we will show and model what people truly need. That's what they need. They need Jesus. We don't want to become like them. They need to become like us because only the people who come to faith in Christ Jesus are saved. And if we truly want to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we want to show what people truly need. Let's pray. Father, I pray for our church. I pray that we will not value um, the worldly things. God, I pray that we will not um, value our wealth. We will not value our, our intellect uh, more than, than Christ. God, I pray for our church. I pray that we will live and function like the heavenly community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.